0: UFO Thinker podcast
1: Okay so Welcome back, everybody, to another monthly Roundup Roundtable, where we discuss all kinds of stuff, what's been happening, basically. And uh, I'm joined, as always, by Ash from Pursuit of the Paranormal slash UFO Identified. How are we doing, Ash?
0: I'm good. This is really weird because this is the first time in two and a half years I've done a podcast without Greg. So this feels strange not to have his face looking at me while I'm talking. So we'll see how it goes.
1: Yes, as you as you just heard, uh, dear listener, uh, Greg is a bit poorly today, so can't can't join us. But don't worry, Ash, we'll we'll rally round and we'll all be we'll we'll be sort of like the uh, temporary Greg uh, for for you to kind of make you feel at home.
0: I might need and the support. So
1: yeah, you'll be you'll be all right. You might be um, off after the end of this. You're right. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it all goes, uh, but yeah, Greg will be missed, but he'll be back again as usual, hopefully next month. Um, and Dave is back, as you probably just heard from that in- little interjection there. How are you doing, Dave?
2: Oh, you went all weird then on me, Frank. I don't know the voice. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm doing good form. We're standing on the precipice of an avalanche of disclosure. I think. And of course, Marco Rubio, because he knew we were doing the round table, chose to make a big announcement today, didn't he? He said, "Right, the lads are on. Get the announcement going."
1: Yeah, well, I was chatting to Marco earlier, and uh, now nah, I'm only joking. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, good timing. That that was interesting uh, little development. And uh, anyway, we'll get stuck into all that in a bit. And we thought we'd bring in a bit of fresh blood this time. Someone I actually met a little while back at one of the UFO identified meetups in Manchester. Nice to see you here tonight. We have Matt IH. How are you doing, good sir?
3: I'm good, thank you. Very glad to be here, and good to chat to you all. Oh, Indeed.
1: Welcome, Matt. Yeah, nice to have you here, mate. And it's I think it's been like just the kind of regulars now for a fair few months, hasn't it? So it's nice to have somebody somebody else on. So uh, good to see you here, Matt. So yeah, the first thing that we're going to be talking about um, is. A, a pretty obvious one that's happened this month, which is the the story of this this whistleblower who who stepped out of the shadows, and all the rest of it. I think um, the first thing that I wanted to sort of mention, just in general, I think we probably all agree on on this one that 2023 has had some pretty big events so far in terms of UFOs. I think we've we've seen a lot more mainstream media coverage, in particular, as well as obviously the buzz in the UFO community. than I think I've ever seen to, to be honest I mean I'm not like a decades deep into the topic type of person but over the last like three or four years since I've been following this I've, ne- I've never seen it on this kind of a level for, for better or worse you know that's suppose depending on how you look at it and whatnot but and also the kind of the rumors on on the grapevine you know initially to be hype and clickbait and stuff you know you, you know in some cases did actually come to fruition we, we had the whatever you think of the story in terms of you know the credibility of the people involved and whatnot there have been these rumors for months of, of a whistleblower or whistleblowers uh, an insider or insiders coming out to spill the beans um, via a major article and of course that's exactly uh, what we did get in the end um, slightly different to, to what we'd heard but for the most part Uh, It kind of actually did happen. So I'll give a quick summary, because I've I've kind of banged on about this quite a lot, and I think everybody's talked about this quite a lot. If you've got even a vague interest in this topic, I was even on um, BBC Radio 2 uh, last week talking about, I managed to shoehorn a few sort of things in about what's been going (laughs) on recently. So you're actually in the presence of broadcasting royalty tonight, chaps. I I heard that, uh, thank you very good. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll just stay up late for that one, but I did my bit, represented the topic and all that, you know nice one but yeah thanks Even, very yeah. much but uh, so a former intelligence official turned whistleblower has uh, given congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive what is described as extensive classified information about deeply covert programs that he says possess retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin so he claims that this information has been illegally withheld from Congress, and he's filed this complaint alleging that he suffered illegal retaliation for his disclosures and so on so there's been a lot of discussion about this, and obviously there's the art the original article in the debrief website has got lots of very detailed information which people can check out in more detail and I've done a couple of pods about it i'm sure um every every ufo related podcast has has talked about this by this point but some key facts about is his his story so let's start with some of the kind of like the more verifiable stuff so what he's not doing and saying is he's not bringing forward any photos or video footage of any craft or any bodies or anything like that and he doesn't actually claim to have had direct access to that himself either in terms of seeing the craft and seeing the bodies and whatnot so that that's kind of, I think, important to clear up to, straight off the bat. But what he is doing and saying uh, is that he had no background in UFOs as such, not really a UFO buff or anything like that to start with. But he, he does have a background as a, a decorated combat officer within the US Air Force during the war in Afghanistan. Um, Works for the uh, NGA, National Geospace Intelligence Agency, and the NRO, National Reconnaissance Office. And from 2019 to 2021, he was the representative of the NRO to the UAP Task Force, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. A lot of acronyms to get through there, but managed to get through them. And then from late 2021 to 22, he was the co-lead for UAP analysis at the NGA and it's representative to the task force. He was brought in to investigate UFOs for the UAP task force because of his outstanding record as an analyst, basically, rather than that predetermined interest in the topic. And he was recommended to the task force that was already in place at the point uh, that he was recommended. And um, Tim McMillan, who did quite a lot of extensive research into his background, into David Grush's background, um, uh, is quoted as saying, Quote, I was told a rather lengthy interview between the director, that's the director of the task force and Mr. Grush occurred, and they agreed, the task force agreed, that this was somebody who was sharp and would be a good fit, would bring experience and some expertise in that field of geospatial intelligence, unquote. So I think it's fair to say, at least from my point of view, his background is verifiable and has been verified. He sort of is who he says he is, did what he says he did. And there's kind of um For me, anyway, there's a big difference here between the claims often made by people like Dr. Stephen Greer, who kind of throws around big bombshell statements like the classic, I have briefed four sitting presidents. Is it four or however many claims? I'm not exactly sure. But, you know, that kind of comment, which is when you put it under scrutiny, not really the case. Briefing presidents and just mean sent an email to one of the president's <laughs> staffers and things like that. I'm not sure if he's exactly had a sit-down with the president or anything, but I, don't, I personally don't think of Grush in that same category because he kind of actually did what he says he did, and, and it is verifiable and has been verified. But onto to the slightly more muddy waters of what he's actually saying and the last little bit of this just before I hand over to you guys. I know I've rambled for a bit here, but there's a lot of info about this, I suppose. So as part of his investigations where his job was to actually look into this topic from the inside, uh, you know, from all the way back in 2019. Uh, Until quite recently, he's interviewed key witnesses who claim to have had direct involvement with a hidden UFO program. And these people, multiple people, who he's spoken to, under oath as well, I believe, they have claimed to have seen intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin, which are in possession of... Um, well it's not exactly clear but basically in possession of the US the U.S. government and Grush claims that there are also bodies uh, being held as well in addition to the craft um, and detailed evidence of these claims does actually exist and has been provided to Congress even if it's not been made public. Um, it's not been made public because um, he's trying to, uh, at least so he says, try to go through the, the official channels to get information out and try to make every effort to play by the rules and such. So um, he has actually spoken with intelligence officials who the US military ha- had briefed on a very large craft, like a football field-sized craft, apparently, which is quite intriguing, and um, that the the US government have actually transferred some vehicles to a cleared defense contractor to provide some analysis. Hence why I was saying it's not exactly clear where these things are kept because it's not we're not sure if it's the government themselves or a, a third party like that. Um, and yeah, that is a, an arrangement that Grush himself claimed was totally unethical. This kind of you know off the book partnership with private industry and so on. So yeah, a lot of uh, kind of information to digest with all this, but we have had a bit of time to to digest it all. Um, so what your what are your thoughts on it, Ash? We'll start with you, mate. Any uh, any any bits and bobs you want to discuss on that one?
0: Uh, yeah, a couple of points. Uh, I think it's good because kind of we've had, like you say, we've had like a month now to kind of digest information. Like the first few days when it first came out, it was a bit all over the place things being said and people focusing on kind of unimportant stuff rather than like what's was actually being being said I think one of the main points is that he himself has had no direct access so I mean unfortunately I mean it is hearsay I mean it boils down to it um, he hasn't seen the evidence of it it's only kind of what he's been told um, and obviously not seen anything himself regards to bodies or craft even though he says that he Says there are, like retrieve craft, retrieve bodies. Uh, Thinking that second interview, he mentions bodies um, being retrieved, but without the, but there's no hard evidence. And one thing I wanted to kind of point out from my side of things, as an investigator, it's one that I come across in just the course of randomly investigating sightings that we get. I'm not saying this applies to David Grush, just maybe just a point to bear in mind. I think it's the uh, Tim McMillan um, article or interview where he talks about uh, David course, having no prior interest in UFOs. And people, a lot of people say that, thinking that's going to give them more sort of um, what's the credibility. Word? Yes, more credibility with the sightings. They say, I oh, didn't believe in any of this until I saw something, even if they did. And the sightings where I've been investigating and they told me, oh didn't they didn't know anything about this sort of stuff never even thought about it and then when I looked into it a bit more they did like they've posted about stuff for years they've been researching stuff for years but they say it thinking it gives them more credibility so they're more likely to be believed there's so many people that say like with other stuff like other things paranormal ghosts ufos I did not believe in any of this rubbish until I've had my sighting so you're more likely to believe my sighting Like I say, I'm not saying this is the case here, but my question, I'm not sure this has been sort of been confirmed anyway, is how Tim McMillan would know as a fact that David Gush had no prior interest in the subject. Because if he's in the intelligence community, maybe that is something you don't talk about like out loud. If you're sort of going through the ranks as a young intelligence officer, maybe you wouldn't want people to know that you have this interest. So people don't sort of refer to you or look at you as like the one that likes UFOs or the molder of the intelligence community. Well, let's give him these cases because he's into this. That's sort of one question for me is how does Tim McMillan know he had no prior interest? Does that just come from David? Or is that David keeping that side of his life a bit of a secret? Because I can imagine, I'm not sure how he got picked. I know it says he was sort of picked. Be honest, I'm not sure how recruitment works, whether like these roles get advertised and they can apply for it. I don't know at all. But if he did have an interest prior, even if it's secret and not like sort of public knowledge, and this job or secondment comes up to work on the UAP desk or the UAP task force, I would go for it. You know what I mean? I would be definitely, I'm going to try and get into this team, get into this department for a couple of years. So just something that I thought about: where saying I didn't have interest before it won doesn't mean it's true. And two, like say, how does Tim McMillan know that 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 was true? Like, because if he is an intelligence official, might not want people to know he's got that interest. He's kind of repeating himself a little bit there. Um, aside from that, the other thing that made a note of is he's interviewed these other people telling him about these retrievals and these incidents could he or is that the next step is him convincing them to come forward under the whistleblower legislation so that you can say i spoke to this person and this person is the person that told me about this and then you can then sort of then obviously get a bit more digging on where this information is coming from rather than him just saying this is what he's been told and this is from people he's been interviewing over the years that's my main sort of next questions I guess regarding the whole thing
1: yeah it is an interesting point the thing about whether or not he had a pre a pre-existing interest in the topic because it's, it's a funny one isn't it because even us as people who actually have an interest in the topic like you know what I mean if I saw something I would hope that people wouldn't hold my pre pre pre-existing interest in a topic against me sort of thing. But even at the same time, when I hear about somebody coming forward and I hear about not, especially in an analyst role like that as well, if I was to hear that they did have a long-standing interest in the topic, they've been fascinated by it since they were, you know, a kid, I probably even me being interested in this and having a UFO podcast would probably be a little bit less, um, you know, kind of sure about, about the findings, but, um, that, that's just kind of a, an interesting point in, in general. But, I mean, I, you'd have to ask Tim McMillan, I suppose, really. I don't suppose you know, Dave. Has there been anything come out about exactly how that was known about his, his no, background? No,
2: he, he was picked. What's the name of the guy who ran the programme? I'm just blanked on it. The guy who was running, Jay Stratton. He was picked yeah. because he was a top analyst at the NGO and the NSA. That's why they picked him. He was a brilliant analyst. So whether he had an interest or not, that had nothing to do with why he was picked, according to the people, according to the articles, multiple because that's why they picked him, because he was an excellent analyst and they picked him to, so we'd be able to contribute on that side of things, the, the picture analysis, because that's what they were doing a lot of at the time, if you remember. And that's why he picked mm-hmm. him. Uh, so I think it's now to do with it whether he didn't have some sort of, there's no indication he had some sort of secret interest, and was furthering his UFO you know, interests through that. He was just, it was just because he was a good analyst, and Jay Stratton poached him because of his good connections. That's what it was.
1: Yeah, I think I th- that is a key point that he was actually he was recommended to the task force rather than putting himself forward after seeing an interview, like position or something like being advertised. He apparently he was actually uh, recommended to to be put forward for it. But um, um, what was the other point you said,
0: Ash? I can't remember the the last one. Um, could he convince the people he's spoken to who've told him that they've got these retrievals and so could he convince them to come forward under the same like, well, legislation? Well, that's, that's kind
1: of the interesting thing, isn't it? It's like, are we going to see that knock-on effect? Is, is there actually a plan already existing in place between him and perhaps people that he's spoken to during the, the what the work that he was doing? Uh, have they already got some kind of agreement? They're like, look, if you come out, I'll come out or whatever. It's, I suppose all of that is, that's where the crystal ball comes out, isn't it? Because we, we don't really know exactly what the crack's going to be. And I guess
0: that may depend on the result of the complaint uh, Yeah, before anyone else, maybe. Yeah. So that's coming forward. We
2: know that it will. Anyway, we'll get into that
1: in
0: a minute. Well, yeah, go on, Dave. Let's
1: say a bit of What what right. you think about the well, whole thing. Though, I, uh...
2: I think, I mean, it's, I think grush, grush is how it's pronounced apparently. He runs through all what we're going to talk about today are like a stick of rock. because this These things are familiar of a different order of magnitude than what we've had before. He had big intelligence clearances coming into this. He's a real wonderkin, this guy. He had not only the top intelligence clearances, but all the SAP clearances as well. He, he, when he, he was put on this by Jay Stratton, and some of his colleagues come forward and told him about this, and he started investigating. I think it was three or four years he spent. And when we say it's hearsay and all the rest of it, I don't think that's quite accurate, to be honest with you, in terms of what we say, think of hearsay. He, he went uh, to the DO, he actually submitted a detailed key case to the DOD uh, Inspector General at first. Detailed authentic documents, photographs, other things. Uh, he had uh, program names, specific names, locations, And then he had people who come along, other people who worked directly on these programs, who testified to the IG directly about all what was happening. This was then verified by the IG. and Then then it went to the other Inspector General of Intelligence, because there'd been some scenarios, that doesn't really matter. And it was deemed as credible and urgent. So it's not hearsay. These are all specific. The only thing that we don't know is we can't see him. Now, I I know he hasn't seen him directly, but there's other people who've testified, some we didn't know, who have testified to the programmes who have seen him directly. And this was deemed to be credible, credible enough to pass on to Congress, because that's the test. The IG looks at it, and then when they think it's credible and urgent in this case, he said they passed it on to the Congress. And then he then went and testified both to a load of staffers in Congress and to the Senate committee. So to me, this is of a different order of magnitude in terms of what we've heard before. It's not Bob Lazar who's got nothing to back him up, of. I like Bob Lazar and other things. This is all detailed stuff. And I can't believe the big be conspiracy of 30, 40 people who'd make it up, or he randomly thought of a few things that he'd heard on Twitter. And he just said that. This isn't that. This is detailed stuff. They checked it out. This is proper evidence. For me, anyway, it's as good as it gets. If it was in a court of law, then then we'd be then we'd be fine with it. You know, it's very very strong. So I think he's uh, I think he's the real deal. And I think there's a number. Of, how long do you guys want to come back on that before I go on or what?
1: You carry you carry on, Dave. Yeah, all right. we'll, yeah.
2: Because yeah. I think that. Uh, it's quite is the real deal really there's another oh, load of other figures vouchering very significant intelligence figures about his character but also a couple one in the space force and another guy at the end the national reconnaissance office called jonathan gray that's not his real name they vouched for this actual program going on and saying that i been mean, going on it should be uncovered it was you know it's not right and all this there's a lot of senior people coming out so he's obviously like the stalking point or the lead tip of the spear who's leading all these other whistleblowers out into the open. That's the strategy, in my view, anyway. So I think we should just think about what he actually confirmed. The existence of non-human intelligence, he said they existed. Craft and bodies. Existence of a reverse engineering program. Legacy programs going on for years. Concealed in other SAT programs, special access programs, so people couldn't see them outside of oversight. Decades long of a war between adversary nations to get the tech. Uh, he actually hinted at communications and even treaties with non human intelligence, which was absolutely mind blowing. This is the stuff he said, and apparently has been checked out. He said there'd also been some use of deadly force, although he wasn't saying I don't think all the NHIs were sort of somehow evil, but there have been those sort of exchanges, massive government cover up, massive deception of the public. So that's sort of uh, what he said, which is pretty amazing. And in one fail swoop, if we think that he's got this evidence that seems to be so strong, that means an awful lot for me. And for me, we've been sitting in the community for decades, speculating, is it this, is it that, and probably self-editing. And in one fail swoop, he sort of collapsed the waveform, as it were, and made a lot of things we were uncertain about actually true all well, that things i've read out how, how many times have we heard all about that i thought is it true no i don't think so and that's what this guy's saying that's absolutely mad there's a lot of other things we don't know about i think it's uh, absolutely crazy and he's sort of i think he's massively moved the dial forward on what disclosure is what it means what we're about and really he's probably moved it a bit further than anybody thought really so anyway uh I suppose there is a question of what isn't true. There's a bit of an elephant in the room about abductions and what's that all about and where does that fit in? Where does other types of paranormal experience fit in? There's all the I think we'll get into that. But I think it's quite a lot uh to be got to be going on with. And I, I just think as a community, when we're faced with this kind of evidence and if it pans out, I think we might have to recognise that a lot of the things we've been hearing from witnesses who we've probably dismissed because we're self-editing. A lot of it has proved to be true, and uh, I think it's it's really is a step changing where we are, and uh, he's sort of really thrown the gauntlet down to the Washington establishment now to sort of pick it up. But apparently, there's other whistleblowers coming. Uh, He's come out today, Mark Rubio, saying there's other whistleblowers who've testified, people who're directly involved in these legacy programs. So it doesn't sound like he's making it up. So I think it's absolutely massive i really do and i think as i say that he's, he's he's took a lot of speculation out of it and really said this is what's happening the question for us is what of what he hasn't said what isn't true have we got anti have we discovered anti have we cracked anti-grav have we got a reverse engineered craft and maybe maybe not then the weirdest stuff which i personally don't believe about the galactic council and this and that and all the rest of it i think that's probably a product of decades of speculation. But anyway, so there is a question of what is and isn't true. But I think, I just think it's very significant. So I, I take probably the opposite view. I know it's not everybody thinks that, but so that's my view. I think it's massive and a massive step change. And he's moved the disclosure dial all the way along. Because we never thought we'd be talking about craft, did we? And now we are.
1: Yeah, some pretty pretty good points there, Dave. I, I, I'm tempted to go off on another tangent, but Matt, what are you saying, mate? Because yeah, I, I know you've been sat there patiently waiting. Let's get yeah. stuck yeah. in.
3: No worries. Right. Yeah. So Dave Grush's claims are absolutely extraordinary. um I remember when they came out, I was working and I saw the article drop. I was just like opening Twitter up and just saw it drop. And I had to like take a minute just to absorb it, like read it and just absorb it, just because of how huge I found it. Um, I do try and keep a balanced view with these things. Um, Obviously, with ufology, there is a disinformation um, angle to it, and there has been historically. Um, You can see that uh, going back to, for example, uh, Richard Doty, even. Roswell as well, um, so yeah, you do have to be sort of a bit cautious about these things. But like you said, Dave, with the uh, with the credibility of Grush and the jobs that he's done, the positions he's been in, um, the people that he, he legitimately has briefed, uh, as opposed to claiming to have briefed, um, he is certainly credible, and yeah, the the IG considers his complaint to be credible and urgent. Um, Another thing I find interesting about his claims is that they do track with a lot of what we have heard previously, um, especially when it comes to things like, for example, uh, the WikiLeaks um, that happened in 2016 uh, with Tom DeLonge people he was emailing, like, say, Edgar Mitchell, for example, Um, people like uh, Neil McCasland from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, Uh, you know, um, uh, as well as things like the Wilson document as well, um, which obviously alleges crash retrievals. Um, I don't think it goes quite as far as bodies, but it does say basically that it's non-human intelligence, like these things are... Retrieved from non human intelligence. So I sort of see Grush as a bit of a test run for the whistleblower language. Um, I think that he's coming out, and we did see that when there were rumblings of a whistleblower coming out, they were saying it was going to be in the New York Times and the Washington Post. Um, and obviously it, that didn't end up happening for various reasons and it was picked up by the debrief, uh, which is obviously, it, it's an excellent website, but it is a much smaller website than, say, the New York Times or Washington Post. Um, so I think because they're doing it on, I guess, a smaller scale than these national papers, they are perhaps seeing what the public reaction to Russia's claims is going to be um if he is indeed afraid for his safety uh and if other potential whistleblowers will be afraid for their safety um they can sort of uh, they're free to kind of hang back a bit and just observe what's going to happen uh and what is happening um see how seriously he'll be taken uh so that that's one angle to it um yeah with um the um yeah marco rubio's comments today as well have been uh, very much eyebrow raising um the fact that there's other whistleblowers who have had first hand evidence at uh, first hand experience of the program as it's sometimes referred to um actually seen non-human crafts um possibly bodies as well we don't know um I I find that fascinating and the fact that somebody in Marco Rubio's position is prepared to come out and say that publicly, uh, I think is massive. Um so yeah, I, I do think that we're it, it, it needs it it needs coverage, whatever the outcome, essentially, because either he's telling the truth, in which case there are aliens and the US government has evidence and has covered it up. Or he's not telling the truth, um, and he's either trying to deceive people who want to know and are in positions of power, or has been deceived by people in positions of power and is relaying that information. Either way, it's pretty huge.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, really good. And I think um, you know, Marco Rubio's comments is is a is a interesting kind of cap on, on top of all of this that's been happening because i think the you know th- there's been a lot of things going on behind the scenes over the last few years like over the last more than a few years really um and i think you know all of this has kind of been bubbling up under the surface like Marco rubio and people like that some of these kind of like lawmakers who've actually had a hand in pushing all this through you know um in terms of legislation and, and and you know having this taken more seriously and whatnot, they've been aware of all of this stuff actually going on. I mean, like the reason that legislation has been put through hasn't been on a whim. You know, there's that phrase that that is often used where you know laws are not made in a vacuum. You know, the people who are putting these things forward and not are not doing so just like oh I heard this thing, so we whack it in the NDA and see what happens. You know, it's like based on verifiable information and. Now, Rubio's latest comments you know, do back that up. And obviously, Grush has basically been directly involved in that process of actually going to people, handing them a, a legal document and saying, look, I need to speak to you about this. I need to find out what's going on. I'm here on behalf of the task force. These are my clearances. You don't have an option to say no. Get in that room, and I want to ask you about you know, this, this, and this. And then they have to do that interview under oath, provide information. And then obviously what's happened is, you know that information has been taken on board by various people behind the scenes and has shaped a lot of this language that we've seen over the last few years and all of that has happened behind closed doors and we're only just now kind of getting a, a, a you know a sense of what's actually been happening but just quickly uh, dave i know you want to add something there but in terms of um marco rubio's actual comments um Grush is, you know, admittedly, and he he says this himself as well and and puts it clearly. he's basically what you would call a second-hand witness, you know, as we've said, you know, he's not directly seen these craft and, and bodies and things like that. He is going off what people have told him. The first point there is that they've told him that, not just on a lunch break while they're all having a sandwich in the mess hall or whatever. They've told him that under oath in a, in a skiff or whatever as part of his actual role, which I think is a key point there as well. Um but these people who have actually told him this, the first-hand witnesses, apparently some are public figures, some are not. Which again, I think is a key point because it's not just your—not that there's anything wrong with these people, but it's not your Eric Davis, your Hal Potts off people who have already said things on a, on a thousand podcasts and, and what. Even though that is interesting, that we are hearing about new people with information who have directly worked on these programs apparently, and the quote from um, from Rubio is quote what incentive would so many people with that kind of qualification these are serious people? what would they have in terms of incentive to come forward and make something up? Some of these whistleblowers frankly are fearful of harm coming to them unquote and um, bearing in mind this is the you know Marco Rubio is the vice chair of the Senate Intelligence Committee who's saying these things you know it's it's really is quite wild isn't it when you when you actually think of it Imagine that a few years ago and uh you know Grush is just one. Of many really with, with kind of like high very high clearances in in his previous job in in high up government positions to come forward uh privately with information about these you know recovered uap and, and un- unlike grush these people who are apparently going to be coming forward uh, have had first-hand knowledge and you know there's a lot of talk about that rubio is, is backing that up as well so um what did you want to say dave you want to yeah did... I think
2: yeah I think that's right there yeah, I think what we've got to remember with this is there was a boxing match really going to and fro between the, t- the two parties and that's what we've got to put this in context when we think about what's happened now with Groosh. I think what happened was in 2017 the DoD they were caught out we had the plane revelations Lou came forward then they brought the pilots to Congress and uh, started to started to get them to give testimony to get the Congress on side. So we then saw that. Then we saw, uh, after that, the UAP task force set up. Then we saw the 2021 uh, report getting set up as well, and that confirmed the existence of UAP as being something exotic or anomalous. And then we started to see the fight back a little bit come from the DOD. Uh, we saw Jay, Jay Stratton sacked and all the good staff going, which would have included Grouchy's role there as well. Or he might have still been working, but he got rid of all the good staff then. Uh, then we had the hearings, funnily enough, uh, and they set up uh, – Then we had no, th- we had the report. Then I think they come out with uh, – then the legislation come out, and that was it, and then they set up ARIMSG to actually stop them setting up a proper UFO department. So I could see the fight back starting then, and they did nothing. They dragged their feet and all the rest of it. And then we had the hearings, which, interestingly, if you look back, the hearing corresponds to when the actual uh, whistleblower thing went in from the, to the ICIG, when that was that was done, or when the report went in. So that must have triggered it, I think. Anyway, that coming in, we started to see the actual... Uh, we actually started to see the fight back from the DOD. They closed it, said nothing to see here. Bray was saying that. They put down confidentiality. Then they established Arrow and all the rest of it, and... Uh, Started started to do that, and uh, interestingly, in those hearings though, we saw a little bit. We saw the Wilson Davis salvo, a couple of salvos that the opposition have put putting, and that was like a precursor to saying we're going to do this reverse engineering stuff on you these programs. That was a little warning shot. But anyway, Arrow salt. We saw that there's been worse restrictions, foot drag more foot dragging, a methodology. If it's too narrowly focused with Sean Kirkpatrick, who's not an investigator, and uh, we saw, and it felt like was sort of winning the battle back and it was like the empire strike back strikes back and i think though i think they overplayed the hand i think the testimony of the uh, senate hearing that dr kirkpatrick gave really annoyed a lot of the whistleblowers and this was this is like the big fight back so if you imagine they're having this boxing match this grush testimony coming out now he's like the big haymaker coming over the top that nearly floors the other boxer because it, it was so big it sort of blew the doors wide open and it really took things to a different level now. And then added to uh, Rubio' announcement, the floodgates are opening. Other people are in the wings. So we've got to see this in that context, really, of it being a, quite a big, like a boxing match, you know, where people have been fighting. And uh, this is like the final big blow because it looked like the, the, the toothpaste back in the tube faction were making ground. And this has been the response. And now it looks like they can't stop it.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think, um, you know, one one thing I would say is that, you know, as much as I do think this is an absolutely huge story, and it's it's I, I personally do think that it's quite different in terms of, you know, things that we've heard in the past from like people like you, you know, like I say, Stephen Greer's brought out umpteen whistleblowers by this point, you know, what he classes as whistleblowers, and it's you know, you, you start digging beneath the surface of it and it turns out to be a bloke who made sandwiches at the office of the Pentagon, you know what I mean? Or, and and it's like nothing against any of those people because maybe they did hear some interesting things. But every time I've looked into them, you go like, okay, interesting, uh, okay, uh, oh, uh, right, okay then. And you, you deal with enough of them that, you know, you, you start kind of getting a bit jaded towards the whole thing. And I took the same approach with this and personally just found it to be, a bit of a different kind of kettle of fish, really. But it's it's quite fascinating to think, you know, things like the, the Wilson memo. I'd be interested to hear what you think about that, Ash, because I remember we spoke about the Wilson memo uh, like a year ago or something crazy like that now, a long time ago, and I can't really remember what you thought about that at the time. But I remember when we spoke about it, even within the UFO community, the the wilson memo and this idea of extremely highly cleared you know scientists and and military personnel talking about a hidden ufo program that that had you know intact craft and things like that being reverse engineered that even that within the ufo community was kind of a bit of a fringe thing you know some people were like yeah it's nonsense it's all conspiratorial you know blah 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 and and this is kind of it's definitely kind of put the spotlight on that side of things a bit more in in terms of the conversation people are having in the community. So I I was interested to ask, what what did you think of it back then? You'll have to remind me, and and what do you think of all that that angle just in general now compared to then? Is it any different, you know, that side of things?
0: Yeah, so originally, and probably for the longest time, I've thought it to be bollocks, um, pretty much. But like I say, more things have been coming out and there's this and there's something a couple of months ago, I can't remember who it was that was talking with Wilson or David's one of them and it was like, there's like there's a bit more confirmation. I think we were talking ago. about
3: it a bit at one of the events. Probably yeah, it might have one. been. I remember
0: thinking it was that and now there's this or so there is you just seem to be actually, oh, actually, it's, it's, it's one of them where if it is, obviously if they were legit or they are legit then you know what I mean? Then everything on there, is all of that now legit? We, and that is, I see that maybe it may be exactly killer blow if we can confirm that what they talked about is real and then everything is then blown open. So it, my opinion is changing on night. I've been for the past couple of months, whereas for the whole time, I thought it's bollocks. And in the similar vein to Majestic 12 or stuff like that, I've always thought, now nah, that's bollocks. But now it's like, oh, maybe... Like, yeah, I'm being a bit less cynical, a bit more actually thinking this could be it. Like the whole gush, gush, gush. Days, put your off how to pronounce it now. <laughs> gush. Um, stuff, like pretty much everything. If anyone's listened to previous episodes of The roundtable, Table, I'm usually pretty cynical, pretty, don't get excited about stuff. But I think this, this is the only time I've actually ended up being excited about what could come out of it. All the videos, images, Congress stuff has all been for me nothing too exciting. But this, I think, could be like Dave said, the the, the thing that does blow open. And we just a footnote we sort of comments earlier um, about like the pre-interest in UFOs and all the other stuff. And was he was he picked? That's as a sort of the thoughts so I had where I wasn't sure where the answers were. Um obviously we have them answers, which is great. Um, and it's just again waiting to see what happens next, and it is—I think it is really, really exciting—and that's just something to be excited about. Because twenty twenty-three, like you mentioned earlier, it's just been insane. We've there's always something happening all the time, all the time, and it's hard to keep up with. Like this is Marco Rubio stuff today, and no idea. So I've been trying to read it as i have been talking, uh, the comments. It's like, what's he said now? It's just like just hard to keep up. So yeah, I'm trying to question. Wilson Davis, um, Davis notes. Yeah, there could be something to it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's,
1: it, oh, Frank, just to say one thing. Yeah, no, just a quick one, David, and then I'll, I'll hand over to you, mate. I was just going to say, it's interesting, the key point you made there, Ash, in terms of what's going to come of this as well. Because, you know, as you say, we've not got like, okay, right, that's it, everybody. The Wilson Davis notes are real now. We know that for sure. But what this is definitely is, is a a very strong indication that, we're on that path to finding out that that kind of thing it's looking more sure than ever sort of thing you know and I've dug into all of that quite a lot in the past and uh, as you know uh, Ash and and uh, you know anybody who's listening to this I, I do have quite a keen interest in that aspect of it the the government program and you know what what could be held in that and all the rest of it and it's it's just like when that grush story came out it taps into exactly the area that i'm really interested in and i've looked at quite a lot mm-hmm. before but i think the thing is is the um you know there's so many aspects being discussed you know when me and Dave did a show I was talking about there's some things that are on really firm ground and there's other things that are a lot less on firm ground at this point in terms of the things that are being discussed by Grush and all the rest of it so the program you know I think is pretty firm ground at this point you know what's being mentioned in the Wilson Davis notes is pretty firm firm ground even the existence of an intact craft or partially intact craft and whatnot And then you start getting a bit further away from the firm ground in terms of like communications with non-humans and, you know, tree and things like that, which sound really, really interesting. But, you know, because we don't know the full picture about what is actually verifiable out of all that information, like, the, some of it is, for me, quite firm, and then some of it gets to, like, well, that, that could be a lot of different things there, you know what I mean, in terms of how verifiable it actually is. But um, what did you want to add, Dave? Sorry for
2: interrupting, Frank. You'll have to send a signal down the speakers there to electrocute me. <laughs> Cattle prod. Uh, I, anyway, I hope you don't find out the technology to do that. Anyway, listen, all I wanted to say was just listening to what Ash was saying. I think it's just important to recognize a lot of the things that Ash would normally say, that he would normally come up with, you know, some of the points that he does make have served him very well. And I think, it, you know, in terms of stories that aren't true in the past, and I think it's a measure of the strength of Grouchy's testimony. But uh, actually, he, uh, but a lot of the tests Ash might normally use, he's actually passed just in the course of this conversation. So I think that's really quite... Uh, I think that's a good point, really. And as I say, Ash is thinking, oh, yeah, that's passed that test. So I think that just shows... But we are right to be sceptical, really. I only think, the thing for the community, though, I think we've had so long of intelligence officers coming forward and all these things over the decades. There is a certain section of the community that is so against anybody coming forward now, they tend to just dismiss everything. And I think we've sort of got to get past that. I'm talking more about some of the old guard in ufology on this side of the pond and you know, in America. Uh, I think we've just got to get past that now and recognise... But this is a different thing, and I think that's quite important. But, yeah. Anyway, Frank, hopefully you won't uh, get the old cattle prod out on me if I interrupt you again.
1: (laughs) No, No, you know how it is when you you go on tangents, don't you? When it's not you. I mean, one goes on tangents when one is talking on a podcast. but but yeah, um, I was gonna say, Ash, what you were saying in terms of like you know those things that crop up in your head, you know like questions and stuff? That that's that's the way to do it, isn't it? You know, and obviously we have a laugh about you being cynical and that, but that's that's good. You know, that's the that's the way to properly look into things thoroughly, isn't it? And I, I try and do the same, and I probably did that with this more so than than with most things because it was almost for me, like like I say, having that interest in this particular angle, it was like too good to be true. I was thinking like, no, surely you can't be. This is like exactly what I've been talking about for the last two years, you know, and he's he's verifying it all sort of thing. And as I say, then that's when you start really getting into the weeds and thinking, well, that aspect of it, is that really going to be concrete enough? And and that one seems to be, but I don't know about that one. And, and like you say, the, the rest of it, in terms of really determining what's what, and, and filtering out what could be disinformation and has he been fed disinformation and all that, you know, that, that's going to, you know, play out over the coming months and years, really, isn't it? With no question, this has made a big splash and it's kind of how far do the the ripples go? If, if anything else you want to add on that one, Matt?
3: Yeah. So um, Dave, you were saying that you see it as like a boxing match. Uh, I'd see it as kind of like a game of chess um, between like the pro and the anti-disclosure sides. Um, and I would say that at the moment, Dave Grush has got their king in check, as it were. Um, he basically, I-, I think with him giving the names of the program, uh, potentially locations, um, we- we've heard as well aerospace contractors called out um, openly like Jeremy Corbell went on the news and just said Lockheed martin outright um I, I think the fact that we've got some again somebody of that level in government um backing up these claims he's sort of saying, well if there's nothing to it, go and look there <laughs> like you know i I'm telling you where to look go and look if there's nothing there, fine, but I know for a fact that there is um, so it it's sort of I, I think this really could force disclosure with a capital D. Um, Now, I I do temper my expectations there because I've, you know, uh, like many of us, ever since the 2017 New York Times article, I've thought that this is going to become uh, public knowledge and, um, you know, everybody will know about it imminently. You know, I, I thought that for a while and then, it became more and more obvious that actually it's going to take quite a lot of time uh, if indeed it's ever going to happen at all. Um, and in fact, I'd, I'd got a little bit cynical about it, um, similar to you, Ash, really, just because I felt like... Um, even though a lot had been happening in terms of news drops, um, like I, I remember, Project Unity used to do UAP news, the latest drops. He can't do that anymore because there's literally stuff every day. He'd be he'd never be going to bed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, in in terms of what's been happening, I, I I was thinking that a lot of the major drops were kind of negative for disclosure over the past year so with the senate hearing for example uh, with the UAP task force report as well that I found that quite underwhelming to say the least um, the fact that the uh, the, the second one was, was so late and then when it did come out there wasn't really very much to talk about in it in my opinion um, so I, I was getting a little bit disheartened and, and disillusioned with it all really and wondering you know uh, is is this ever going to come out or are we just going to be stuck in this perpetual limbo but uh dave grush's claims give me hope in that regard uh because it, it like i say it's coming from someone so credible um and so knowledgeable um and he is as you say uh th- throwing down the gauntlet and saying literally here's where you need to look to find the stuff um so yeah I'm, I'm i am quite excited about it. i have to say
1: yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out isn't it but i mean i think the only the only thing i would say is that i'm not 100 percent convinced that there's going to be like a moment of disclosure like we're all i think especially on ufo twitter there's kind of a a perception that that's going to happen at some point and it's going to be soon, you know, and this is another thing towards that. And I, I've said, you know, I made that daft joke that's come back to haunt me a few times now about eating a mushroom on the podcast if if a, a government official, um, you know, uh, comes out and announces that they've got, you know, craft and things like that. Um and I think I got a couple of messages, people thinking I was gonna be taking the magic type of mushrooms on the podcast. That's <laughs> definitely not gonna happen. Although to be fair, if 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 there is disclosure, it might actually be quite a fitting way to celebrate, you know. But um no, uh, the point is I don't I don't really think that um that, that we're gonna see something like that at least this year, uh, personally. I think it's gonna be a case of if anything, like you were saying, Matt, I think some of these hearings and things that have been happening recently have been Kind of getting almost a bit more and more underwhelming, really, in terms of like what the government are willing to to say in terms of transparency. They've been putting hearings on, which is creating big news stories, and then there's not really anything to to write home about within them. And if anything, that can have a bit of a negative effect on you know the public because they get all excited about this thing, and then there's nothing, and then there's again, and then there's nothing. And also behind the scenes as well. Like Dave was talking about earlier, they've kind of been stripping away a lot of the accesses and they've been demanding a lot from these new UFO offices, UAP offices with the various different names. But they've actually, as we now know, are always got less clearance access than what the UAP task force had back in the day when... Grush was actually involved with the task force. You know, the AOIMSG had a bit less and it was less... It's like they're strangling the office, really, slowly. But they're putting on hearings and committing to transparency whilst, on the other hand, the offices that are actually being created by the government to look into this on, on behalf of the people at the end of the day are actually having less and less resources and whatnot. Now, will that improve, you know, going forward now with the new legislation and things? Possibly. But it has been a bit of a, a kind of a... You know, a downward spiral in terms of what the offices can actually do, and it, it seems to me uh, that it's that that potentially could have actually pushed Grush and the, perhaps the other people that he was speaking to at the time that he was doing his his actual role to come forward. You know, maybe if they had like a, a cooperative U.S. government UFO office they would have just gone through that channel and just done that you know and maybe even remained anonymous and just given the information to the people who needed to get it in terms of informing congress and whatnot but that wasn't really the case and maybe they've been seeing all these hearings play out and going eh, what i worked in that office 3 years ago and now they're saying that we've got not, none of this and none of that what the hell's going on i mean imagine if you'd worked in the uap task force and you'd seen this and this and this that was verifiable and then you see these hearings play out with nothing burgers, you would get pretty frustrated, and perhaps that's pushed people over the edge to actually step forward like this, you know.
2: Yeah, Matt, I must say I like your uh, chess analogy. That was really good. Uh, I think it's uh, more like wizard chess for me, to be, to be honest with you. I think uh, it's a bit more violent than a game of chess. But yeah, it is a very strategic game with one side doing one thing, one side doing another. So that's a re- really good analogy. But I think it's just worth thinking that disclosure never really happens like you think. You know, we, like Steve Bassett, God bless him, he stands up every year thinking the president's going to stand on the podium and make an announcement. It doesn't happen like that. didn't happen like that in 2017. People were just making it, was a gradual thing. People made make, make gradual comments. It, this complex thing like this do not occur like you think, really. It doesn't unfold. Nobody has a big disclosure banner. I mean, one analogy for me, it's a bit like, and because there's a big incentive for the people who've been holding on to the secret to try and get this out without anybody noticing it, like some sort of trick. It's like somebody maybe dropping a drink in the bottle, a glass of wine in the middle of a, a party on the carpet, and then gradually edging away from it. Then when they find a away, saying, "Oh, what's that? Look at that! I wonder what that is." And and I think that's what, uh, I think that's what a lot of the secret keepers are hoping to do. I think they want to just distance themselves from it a little bit, just make an announcement here and there, have multiple announcements, just gradually feed it out, and then it sort of becomes part of the uh, a part of the narrative. So no disclosure with a capital D. I just think people, I think what will happen is, there'll, a couple of things will come out. They might even get NASA to announce it or something like that and do a couple of announcements. A couple of things might come out, then they won't mention it for a bit, and they come back to it a couple of months later and just treat it as normal. So anyway, so uh, I think that's the thing to recognise about this disclosure thing, But that that's probably what's going to happen. I think it's also worth noting about the press. That was a good comment you were making earlier, Matt, about the press. Uh, and I think it's worth noting that, yeah, we have seen them. Uh, they have ignored it largely at first, but we have seen more and more of them getting them on board. I mean, when you've got people like Rubio coming out and all these other things happening, serious testimony from serious people as i say rubio getting behind it and other senators and politicians i think you can start seeing things coming out in the hill and other things and i think the press are finally waking up to actually uh you know to something happening and um, that they're actually gonna have to get on board because i think they've realized that if they don't sort of get on the bus it's going to leave the town without them and i think so i think we're starting to see that gradually and uh i think that's the same with all things gradually the the press are realizing because I think there's been a lot I think there's obviously been a lot of pressure on I think there's been pressure put on the owners uh, that the editors don't look, don't want to look stupid uh, and, and I think there's a bit of uh, ego involved where they, they, they don't want have stigma. and I think there's been a lot of these things I think there's been. A, I do think there's been a lot of pressure applied but they're realizing that they cannot ignore it anymore and I think that's quite important. I must say I do have a little fear though I had this picture of uh, Dave Grush going on for his second interview. Giving these great revelations, and suddenly, uh, Mission Impossible—like he rips off this mask, and it's actually date. <laughs> it's actually Mick West <laughs> saying, "Ha <"Ha-ha>, ha, you <laughs> bastards! Filming <you laughs> all you global <laughs> bastards."
1: So there you go. I hopefully that won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I th- I don't think you've got anything to worry about there, Dave. Unless less prosthetic face masks have have become extremely convincing, I don't think Mate West is under there. But um, we we never know, do we? But um, you know, kind of following on from from what we were discussing there, actually, is uh, th- that this thing of the new language for the twenty twenty four IAA. So the Senate Intelligence Committee has unanimously approved its new Intelligence Authorization Act, which is the IAA, for 2024, which contains some pretty interesting UAP uh, language. The kind of key points uh, are the suspension of U.S. government funding for illicit UAP programs and the, the providing of, of like an amnesty to any of these defense contractors that are suspected of uh, actually possessing non-human craft or materials. And um, in terms of that, the amnesty that they're talking about, these defense contractors, which is basically Lockheed Martin and a couple of others, um, uh, these groups or what, whatnot what that are in possession of UAP-related material or information that's been you know obtained through... The US government, they have to actually voluntarily disclose it to Arrow, um, which is obviously the new um, government UAP office for anybody who's not aware, All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow. And they actually have to do this uh, in terms of coming clean about what they've got within 60 days of the bill's enactment. Um, And then within 180 days, any defense contractor that falls. Uh, you know, in in what's covered under that new law, uh, basically have to make all of these materials available for assessment, analysis, and inspection. And that actually includes, quote, all non-Earth origin or exotic unidentified anomalous phenomena material, which is pretty wild to hear, isn't it? All non-Earth origin, actually, in the language as well. Mm. Mad. And I've done some, like, really in-depth read-throughs of these uh the previous one i think i did a two and a half hour read through of the full ndaa or something crazy like that um and i certainly didn't say anything along the lines of that that's going a step further for sure um and and basically um if if these defense contractors go along with that and disclose they won't face any criminal or, or civil um civil actions And the bill actually contains language specifically about reverse engineering of craft. And it does say craft too, which is again, um, you know, very, very different to the kind of ambiguous language that's sometimes been used in the past. Um, It says, quote, analyzing such craft or pieces of or components thereof including for the purpose of determining properties material composition method of manufacture origin characteristics usage and application performance operational modalities or reverse engineering of such craft or component technology unquote so yeah pretty interesting to see how that's all going to play out I, i suppose it's early days with that with all of that. That's literally just come out over the last couple of days, this this new language. I, I suppose the first thing that, that that got me thinking was that they have to report this to Arrow. And is it possible that, you know, Arrow being the kind of toothless, under resourced, understaffed, underfunded office that they are? I mean, are Arrow actually even going to be in a position to receive that kind of information? Like, do you know what I mean? What happens if arrow don't even have the clearances to receive the information that they're supposed to receive and things like that and if they if they have what they're going to do with it you know but what do you think of all that Dave I know it's a relatively new uh thing that's all playing out there it looks like you're you're looking around for for something there are are you in a position to comment or would you like me to come back to you shortly yeah
2: uh well, Frank, yeah, I have been doing a little bit of reading on it. I made the mistake of, uh, well, it wasn't a mistake, it was very good, of reading D. Dean Johnson's brilliant article on all this, and I felt like I read a PhD after I had to go and lie down. I read Sharpie's piece. But well, it's really significant, this legislation, and I think it's obviously linked to all these developments, and uh, you can see it's clearly, I think, a response to what the whistleblowers have been saying. I mean, essentially, there was a couple of there's three elements to it. The first one of it is Congress is saying to uh, there's going to be no money for any special access programs unless they're explicitly authorized by the conference. So that effectively is massive because it cuts the money off for all these hidden programs that have been going on over the under the year over the years. Not being said, if it basically puts the onus on the uh, people who are doing that to report them or to be acting illegally then we've got the thing where they're actually saying to people who are holding any materials, asking them to bring them forward within 90 days, identify them under an 80 day to arrow, under an 80 days actually produce the stuff to arrow. And basically if they do that within that time, they won't be liable. The clear implication that is that if they don't produce the stuff, then they will be liable for any other proceedings coming forward. So that's pretty interesting as well. So basically that's saying, if you've got any of this stuff, you better bring it forward. And, uh, and funnily enough frank that quote you just read out i had that as well all non-earth origin or exotic unidentified anomalous phenomenon material what wording is that and you can see it's clearly come from this testimony that they're having you'd never thought we would have read the red wording like that you know even a couple of years ago even maybe a year ago you know craft is amazing like you were saying and all the rest of it but anyway so, as a credible information from various people, uh, you know, from Grush and from other whistleblowers, have shaped the language. The other thing they talk about is propulsion, basically, and they talk about uh, anything that's got the name sort of human type or non-known civil or known civilization type propulsion. So, anything that isn't this, you've got to come forward and tell us about and tell us about this program, anything you've worked on. So they even cover that, and I think that's a aim at the DOE and the sort of work they're going. So. This legislation is a real sea change in its response to the whistleblower's testament. And essentially, why it's so good is it puts the onus on the secret keepers to actually come forward and fess up there. If they want money, they've got to say what they're doing. Uh, and they've got to bring the stuff forward or they're committing offences. They've got to so that's a big, big sea change. So I think uh, we can see now that, the, that uh, the Senate have thrown a clear gauntlet down to the DOD. And we've got to ask ourselves, What's the position here? The Senate from this language clearly believe that we have got this material and it exists, yet we're listening to the DOD, their press statements that they've come out with, and Dr. Kirkpatrick's testimony, as he was sat there dressed like some mafiosi don, giving that testimony, saying, oh, no, there's no credible evidence of ET tech and uh, no, we have nothing there. And uh, to be honest with you, using his methodology, You probably wouldn't have even investigated Grouchy's methodology, Grouchy's methodology. Uh, Testimony because it wouldn't have he wouldn't have thought it would deem past his scientific standards. But anyway, maybe I, I digress there. The point is, these two, as we've said before on other shows, these two positions cannot continue to coexist. We can't have a piece of legislation like this, clearly based on evidence that's coming forward, good evidence, and the DOD saying no, nothing to see here, as if we're in the very first stages of an investigation. So it's a big sea change, and it's putting the onus on the
1: secret keepers. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you know, Dave, I actually think he looks pretty cool, Dr. Kirkpatrick. I like <laughs> you you seem to think he dresses like Al Capone, but I actually don't mind that. I think it looks all right. But um in terms of uh, arrow and whatnot, as you say, I think there's a a definite danger there that it's kind of being deliberately You know, underfunded, under resourced, not given the right clearances, and then it can't find anything, lo and behold, because it's not got the ability to find anything. And then they can say, those who would want to, uh, you know, to keep the secrets, as it were, they can say, oh, well, Arrow hasn't got evidence of this. Well, they can't, because they're not going to have evidence of nothing at all if they don't have the clearances to go find that evidence and whatnot. And it does make me wonder about this thing of disclosing this information to Arrow if nothing happens after six months for for whatever reason, then they'd be able to say, oh, well we asked and we gave them an amnesty and nobody Arrow hasn't got any evidence of any of this uh, from Lockheed Martin or whatever. And that for me, therein sort of lies the danger, but we'll see how it plays out. What do you reckon, Matt? Anything to add on that one?
3: Yeah, um one thing I find really interesting about the language is that they're using non human Um, rather than extraterrestrial. Um, So I've mentioned this at the um, UFO identified events, but I have observed, and I'm not the first to say this, absolutely, but they do keep saying, we've got no evidence of extraterrestrial life. That's like their get out of jail free card. And the reason I think they're saying that is when you listen to people like, say, Eric Davis, for example, or Gary Nolan, they don't say that it's ex- extraterrestrial. Um, a lot of the government-affiliated people just say, we, we don't know where it's from. It's not human. It's more advanced than humans are, but we we don't know where exactly it's from. So with them saying extraterrestrial, that's kind of like, well, they're not technically lying, um, <laughs> because if they don't have proof that what they have is extraterrestrial, then they can say, we don't have any evidence of extraterrestrial life. So I think by using non-human or NHI, then they are covering that base. Um, I think I did see that Christopher Sharp had asked them directly recently, though, if extraterrestrial covered non-human as well, and they'd said that it did. Um, So I think they've potentially backed themselves into a corner there um, because... It's like you say, Dave, the the two realities can't coexist. Either they do have this stuff or they don't. They're the two possibilities. Um, And if they do have advanced technology and they don't know where it's from, unless they can say definitively that it is human, um, it may that be future human, interdimensional human, breakaway civilization human, you know, call it what you will. Um, But uh, that's the only way that they could make that Comment still fly, even if it turns out that they do have recovered materials. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that in terms of Arrow and its fitness for purpose, it, it is quite concerning that they don't have the clearances that other people. Who have come out have uh, when they're investigating these claims? Because it's like you say, it's if these are waived, unacknowledged special access programs. So, like you literally don't even acknowledge that these things exist unless you read into them. Like it, it, it's it sort of it's compa- ultra compartmentalized to the point where you could say, to the best of your knowledge, that program does not exist, and you wouldn't be lying because with the information you have. It doesn't exist. Um, if they don't have the clearance to go after something buried that deep, then that is obviously what they're going to say. And, I mean, Sean Kirkpatrick, I, I wouldn't want to sort of comment on him as a, as a person. I don't know anything about him really as a person, but he doesn't seem interested, I think, is the key thing. Uh, he seems like he's just doing it as a job. Um, and he's doing what he's being told to do. Um, it's, I'm certainly not getting an impression that he thinks there's any truth or credibility to the claims of off-world non-human technology. Um, And I, I think there was an interview with Robert Sellis that he did as well, and it seemed very kind of... not very formalised or being taken seriously from what I could tell. So th- there is that element as well um so I- I'm hopeful with this um, NDAA language that it will uh, it-, it will help the cause of disclosure um going back to your point as well Dave about um, disclosure with a capital D probably not happening um it it become ca- it be a case of um a slow acclimatization. I think that's possibly what we're seeing here. Um, it's a, maybe it's going to be a case of all of the all of these whistleblowers coming out um, and maybe providing different pieces of the puzzle, um, and maybe even putting it into popular culture more and more. Like you're seeing it in in films more and more, for example. Um, and it might even become a kind of boiling frog scenario where in 50 years from now, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, the extraterrestrials, are non-humans, or whatever, and it's just like a normal thing. But maybe they're doing it so slowly, we're not even really noticing that they're doing it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's kind of like, mm-hmm. um, what, I think what the the grush thing has done has kind of created a bit of a an appetite Certainly amongst those in the UFO community already have an interest, but within the wider public as well, especially because of how mainstream this has gone, there definitely is now an, an appetite for somebody who's got that direct knowledge. I mean, I remember seeing something on, it was on Weaponized, one of the episodes, and it was the, the thing was called Crashed Saucer Overseer and that was the title. And I was like, oh, my God, it's somebody who's actually had direct involvement who was literally working on a saucer, and then it turned out not to be in that case. Uh, Not to say that they do that often because a lot of very, very good episodes on Weaponized, but in that case, I was a little disappointed that we didn't get the actual crashed saucer overseer. But the point is now, especially with Grush having come out, he has basically talked to the, the the crashed saucer overseer, as it were, and there's a, a definite appetite now, certainly from me, and, and I think what more widely amongst the public as well, to actually have that person come out and actually be taken a bit more seriously. The groundwork has been laid, as it were, you know. Um, but that's, that's going to be the, the next interesting thing, isn't it, to see what comes out with that. What do you reckon, Ash? What do you think we're going to see? Any big predictions...
3: Uh
0: well, I don't know because reading the like, I say reading the language is a bit. It's not the easiest thing to digest. I think I might need to read uh the Johnston's article to try and make, maybe make it more sense of it myself. Uh, I got a couple of points, but I did have a question. because I wasn't sure on reading it myself if I just completely misread it or whatever. But does it say? Does the uh, the new thingy say that these contractors have to? tell them and show them what they've got or is it voluntary and it's just that they won't get a thingy
2: yeah actually yeah it's uh it's yeah you it's ninety. they do have to bring the stuff forward they can't not say so they've got 90 days to actually say they've got the stuff and 180 days to produce it now it you're right it doesn't actually say what will happen to them if they don't but that but it does say as i was saying before but uh, they won't be liable within this period. There's what they call a safe harbor provision, where if they do something within that period, uh, then they won't be liable for any criminal uh, prosecution or whatever. Like they won't have any legal liability. But clearly, the implication is after that, if they don't, if they haven't brought things forward, then they'll be in trouble. So it's pretty clear that they have got to bring it forward. Yeah,
1: As I, so, I'll
0: just go on.
1: Sorry. Yeah, I was just gonna say, It sort of relies on them feeling like the wolf's at the door sort of thing you know like they've got these whistleblowers like grush who said look i i know where the stuff is and you know there's various other people presumably behind the scenes who worked alongside grush to uh, you know wouldn't know that as well and allegedly that information has been given to congress as well so the the sort of implication of this language is that look you know we know where the stuff is we basically know where you are <laughs> we're gonna come after you we're going to give you this time to come clean. And if you do, you won't get prosecuted. I think that's basically the idea of it. But as as Dave said, it's not exactly clear. Perhaps it'll be toughened up a bit in the language, who knows.
0: So just one quick point on that for me. So as I was thinking, mentioned Bob Lazar earlier, and like, could that answer the question once and for all about Bob Lazar EG&G? He claimed it was the contractor he was working with, with the saucer that he was working on. Like, is that part of this where... If they did, they have to tell. And maybe not that he worked on it, but they have to then because they could forward and do say, "Yeah, we do have this," and that becomes public. And then,
2: yeah, it's interesting Bob- you mentioned that about Bob Lazar. But just just remember, Ian and G was actually the contractor who was employing all these people going to uh, Area Fifty One or S Four
0: Area. Well
2: mm-hmm. the stuff was actually held. Uh, was actually held at Area Fifty One by the military, from what I can see. So I think there's going to be a real mixed picture about who's got, who's holding this stuff. There'll be stuff at Wright Patterson. There'll be stuff uh, in Lockheed. There'll be stuff in mixed things we don't know about. And uh, it's it's tracking it down. Well, it'd be really, really tricky. Do you know what I mean? You might have to. uh, We might have to get your trench coat and magnifying glass out to do it. I don't think Sean's got one of those. Sean Kirkpatrick, but somebody might do it. Anyway, (laughs) I think it'll be really tricky.
0: Um, one one other thing is sort of for again, if I'm misreading the thing, but uh, saying like, like these licit programs, you have to tell them what it's for, there's going to be no kind of secret programs, like or no sort of black. But I mean, see, unless I'm reading it, I mean, there's always going to be black programs, there's always going to be black budget. I think from for National defense, I think it's always going to be uh, that sort of stuff. So whether they can enforce that, yeah.
2: I think I'm the point of. Uh, Did they have to declare it? I think it's important to know. that only those programs that are, I have not, have not been declared. Or what have been declared are actually exempt from scrutiny. If They've told Congress about this, and they say it's secret. That's fine, but they've got to have informed Congress. That's the point. I mean, it's like at these. Uh, you know, we we're talking about the Saps and all the rest of it. There, you've got these waived, unacknowledged Saps special access programs. But what that means is that they have to verbally inform the Gang of Eight, which is a majority and minority leaders of the Senate and Congress, plus the majority and minority heads of the Senate and Congress, the Armed Intelligence Committees. That's eight people. They've got to verbally inform them about the existence of the project. That's deemed to actually uh, be, you know, enough to actually inform Congress. But they've not done any of that. The ones that are really secret are these waved, unacknowledged, they call them carved-out saps, which are within these sort of waived unacknowledged saps so they're saps within saps or secret programs within secret programs but as d dean johnson said some time ago none of these programs have ever been reported to the senate or the congress uh, and and uh, a lot and a lot of these secret saps are hidden as i was saying inside other saps so really none of these have been reported and so they're all fair game for people to go after and uh so the you know even though they might be kept secret, it's not legal that they're doing that and they will be able to go after them. You've got to remember as well, and we've been saying this a few times, or we've talked about it a few times, it's thought that a lot of these special access programmes are held in the DOE. And the reason for that is because they're a nuclear agency, they have a separate security clearance, clearance and they have an arm's length accountability relationship with Congress. So basically Congress can't directly see the saps they've got under their control and it's difficult to get it. So Obviously, uh, that's because of historically because of the nuclear stuff. So, obviously, that's the, one of the best places to hide these saps because nobody, there's no actual accountability. And so, that's another place they're going to be looking. And Chris Mellon has hinted at there over over the years. So, we might actually find these uh, existing there. So, the point is, there's a lot of these black ones. that they have got to say about them, but it will be very tricky to find them.
1: I mean, it's, it's to your point there, Rash, as well, though, it's like i I get what you're saying, like if these programs are operating in truly in the black, as it were, like they're not accountable and they're completely outside of that they call it the oversight structure you know when you have congress oversees all of the black programs and there's a very small number of people who get to see the true extent of all of the hidden programs and christopher mellon actually did a review of all of the black programs when he was in his former roles and things like that and um interestingly enough he actually said that at the time that he he didn't find anything ufo related when he did that review of all of the black programs and he was one of the highest cleared positions yeah that you can that you can get in terms of secrecy and so on but what caused him to think that there was something is that When he left his role, he spoke to other very, very highly cleared people who he'd worked with during his time in the role, who said that they were aware of things that existed outside of that oversight structure, and they were buried away. And you know, DOE, as Dave mentioned, in in cooperation with private industry and the CIA, are supposedly helping to actually provide security and and keep it all covered up. And, And kind of what I think what you're saying, Ash, is like if these things have managed to operate in that kind of way you know should we be you know convinced that they are going to step forward because they've they've been operating all this time completely secretly and we can't expect that they're all just going to go oh okay it's in the intelligence authorization act now boys we're going to have to hand ourselves in is that kind of what you're thinking like the the show where they're not going to all just hand themselves in it perhaps even if for all we know yeah what if grush was only available only aware of the tip of the iceberg and he's uh, he's familiar with the location of this and this, but actually all the other deeply buried stuff is they have no idea about because it might be hidden away so deeply. So perhaps there'll be a token gesture of, okay, we've got this weird material we'll hand ourselves in and then that'll be enough to satisfy the curiosity and satisfy the requirements of the legislation. But what about all the really, really deeply buried stuff? Maybe never get that and and that kind of thing. It It is a, an interesting point that um, I suppose we'll see, won't we, as time goes along. What do you reckon, Ash? Are you, are you are you optimistic, Ash, or what? What are you thinking? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. You know, it's. Uh, we don't have to. Uh, we don't have to make a, a, a prediction. I know. I'm, I'm asking you for one, but I'm only. I'm only joking. You know, it's. It's kind of just a wait and see game, isn't it really, as to what actually comes out from it all. Mm,
0: yeah, definitely. If, if most of this It's just again, just waiting, and hopefully, like what seems to happen is we wait for sort of see what happens with one thing, then five other things drop Mm. and you kind of forget about that and then sort of not go back to that anymore. You sort of concentrate on this now because this is a bit more tantalising, a bit more interesting. And there's probably some stuff that we, or maybe the community completely forgot about that we were looking forward to finding out the results of and that's just been hidden away or quietly released because we're now concentrating on something else. Because there is that much at the minute, like say they're trying to keep track of everything and all the different people and departments and stuff is yeah, Wait, we need someone, end of the year, just summarize it, put it all into AI and say, summarize this for me or something, mm-hmm. Just to try and make sense of it all. Yeah. Whatever
2: happens, I think we've established just in this conversation, it's going to be a very tricky jurisdictional area. Uh, and I must admit, I have thought about this, I've got some, I've had sort of visions. You know, because who's you know Congress saying right? We're going to go and get this stuff now. Uh, Who's actually going to go and get it? I mean, I've had visions of a sort of uh, federal agency turning up at one of these hangars, and there's some sort of standoff between the security forces and the DOE or private contractors, and the actual federal agents or the agents whoever descend there. And what would would there be a shootout? What would happen? You know. I mean who will congress use i mean uh, they might use the fbi or a day a day sort of compromise it might be some other federal body i mean it could be even be something really weird like the department of agriculture can you imagine that but that cuz they'd still be federal agents same storming the hangars, wielding weaponized sticks of celery. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> hands up. <laughs> Fish sticks of celery. That's a classic <laughs> quote. But, yeah, I think the thing about this story, it can, it can sound a bit wishy-washy, this thing of like, oh, you know, these programmes, they exist outside of oversight and, you know, blah, blah, blah. They're in the black. We don't know where they are and all this. But actually, though, I think that is actually a really key point about all of this because that's illegal you know these programs shouldn't be operating completely out, out of oversight and doing their own thing like the, the i mean the kind of the legend has it that you know there was a president decades and decades ago that authorized these programs to be able to operate in that way but that was decades and decades ago and is it still fair and right for them to be able to do that and we don't know that for sure but that is the kind of popular speculation on on that but the key thing is is a lot of this legislation that's been pushed through in in recent years is kind of based on that congress have got wind of programs operating like that and they're going hang on a minute what we need to look into that then we're not sure exactly what the claim is but that is not something we're willing to accept and i think um uh, michael rubio actually said uh again you know coming from somebody who's the the vice chairman of the senate's intelligence committee uh he, he said the other day Quote, um, those claims have been made for years and that's certainly something we we'll would be very disturbed by. And that's what the gist of the whistleblower's claim is, that there are programs that should have been noted to Congress that were not. So we're going to be interested in that no matter what the topic is, unquote. Which is true, isn't it? I mean, like, even if it was about, like you know, the, the covert sticks of celery program, uh, you know, to go back to Dave's quote, you know, and it, and it could be anything, couldn't it? If a program exists investigating celery ag- agriculture, you know, and it's not reporting to Congress and it's being funded by the taxpayer, they're going to have a problem with that, aren't they? and obviously, you know, I think that's what's driving a lot of this. If there's, you know, Grush is talking about these things that he stumbled upon, but not only that, and it's something we've not discussed as much today, is he was supposedly harassed, and, you know, had very serious repercussions for the things that he tried to report to Congress and stuff like that. And if it is the case that this program is existing like outside of oversight, if it's actually intimidating anybody who tries to speak up about it, including active U.S. government personnel, that is so much more serious than just, you know, what the the actual the materials that they're hiding or whatever. Did you want to add something there, Matt? Go ahead.
3: Yeah, he's he's not the only one either in terms of harassment um, because I've seen on Twitter, you guys may have done as well, but um, Ryan Bledsoe has had people harass him as well and his family regarding some of the things that he's been saying over the years. Um, he seems to... He, he states that he knows who it is uh, and he's left some pretty... Um, sizable breadcrumbs as to who it is Um, but I mean the fact that Grush is stating that he's been harassed and uh, the Bledsoe's have been harassed as well and they have demonstrable intelligence uh, connections and intelligence interest in them um, uh, I I think that is quite telling in itself so like he (laughs) it makes me think that there probably is something there in terms of retrieved materials um if people are so keen to keep it quiet and to go after or the people who are um making the claims it it does make me think if there was nothing there why would they bother
1: it's a scary thought isn't it and, and, yeah. and you know dr doc- dr jacobs as well um the the guy who saw the missile test with the lasers being shot into it by some kind of UFO and then um, you know eventually came out with his story and he he spoke about. Um, and there's obviously plenty of cases of this, but you know, his particular one always stuck with me. He was talking about you know phone calls at mid, in the middle of the night, just checking up on him and making sure you're all right, everything okay, and then you know just putting the phone down. And I think he he had uh, some kind of firebomb in his letterbox, his his home address, and things like that. And you know, again, these these are uh, you know they all sound kind of a bit out there, but if there was something as big of a secret that you wanted to keep. Who's to say that that's, that's not happened, you know, and that's the kind of sobering reality, isn't it? Like the actual, you know, the, the risk that if, if all of that is true, the risk that Garush has put himself under to come out, it's pretty scary to think, especially for a relatively young man. I think he's like 37. You know, he's actually younger than me. Like that's a bad thought and And you know he's he's I would like to think I'm still a relatively young man you know i've I've got many years ahead of me, and for somebody in that position to come out and put themselves in danger, you know you know you could argue that 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 sort of um shows the kind of um the passion to to get the story out and whatnot, and you know the fact that he's willing to do that despite personal risk and whatnot but I think uh, we'll wrap up, uh, folks, because it's uh, we're coming up to an hour and a half. I think that's a good time to, to end. Anyone got any bits and bobs that they'd like to add?
2: Yeah, I just wanted to say uh, one more thing, Frank. I, I, I mean, It's been a great conversation, this, but it's something I meant to say earlier and I forgot. I just wanted just to go back to the new legislation that we were just talking about, because it mentions something called the will of Congress, and basically it's the desire in the bill To see much less compartmentalization around this technology because of the threats faced by the us and 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 more and broader collaboration and what it's hinting at presumably is between industry and universities now this is really really important a lot more important than you think because if you remember one of the big issues a couple of years ago we discussed this again bosch by lou and a few other people are eric davis was that excessive secrecy was stopping any progress on developing this technology, and it was a big problem. And we thought that might be one of the main drivers for this push to disclosure. There's other things, but clearly that, that was a main a main a main, a main driver. So what we can really see this call for is uh, that is obviously something that's gone in, but it's almost like soft disclosure. Because if you think about it, uh, once the information is shared more widely, people are going to know about this stuff. And it is the soft disclosure like we were talking about earlier where people just get to know. And I think that is an awesome intent of this legislation as well. So it just shows you what a difference a whistleblower makes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amazing.
1: Indeed. I, I kind of miss Greg, you know. Where is he? Next next, next month he'll be back. Hope, Greg, if you're listening, mate, I hope you get well soon.
0: It's too um, late. Matt's Ma- replaced him. It's too late now. Oh.
3: Get <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well soon, Greg.
1: But no, it's been great to have you on, Matt, and it'd be great to have you back on again at some point. Really yeah. good chat.
3: Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me on.
1: Spot on, and uh, yeah, thanks everyone. It's been it's been a good one. Pleasure as always. You never it's know, great. eh? By, by next month, we might have another whistleblower, eh? We'll we'll see how that goes. It's
2: been a great show, but I I'd just I I'd just like to say, Frank, who knows what might happen next month? I mean, we might be saying, right, lads, new roundtable coming. Let's display some <laughs> crafting materials. We might have an exhibition. We've got a you know, new round table. Come on. <laughs> We're on the
1: yeah, clock here. That's it. Football field size crafts over the house. There you go. <laughs> right. OK. Let's leave it there then.
2: <laughs> see you later. Really enjoy it. See you next time. See you see next
1: time. Bye. UFO People Podcast.